Thanks for joining, Nick. Yeah. Taking some time out of your Saturday. I know that's a Welcome, busy Saturday, but appreciate you. you showing up. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the invite. Um, so we are here today, gathered to talk about Mr. Frank Zappa and the. Last- say that as we are gathered here today. We're gathered here today to celebrate the thing <laughs> called life. No, <laughs> to celebrate the thing called Frank Zappa. Actually, it's just one size fits all. Frank Zappa would be a much larger uh, scope. Right. Mm -hmm. This is an Aaron's Audio Audibles, and it's about the last album of of Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. Released on January 25th, 1975, one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And uh, as always, I did sort of a crash course on an album I've never listened to before. That's that's the that's the whole point of Aaron's audio audibles is Phil can't have heard the album before. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe a track here or there, maybe, right, right. but not the whole album. Yep. So I've never heard any of it either. So it was, mm-hmm. it was all new to me. Right. So I I'm core to my being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah mm-hmm. uh, I remember when uh, we were in high school, Aaron, you know, when I first met him. He had a boombox, and it was playing Ozzy all the time. And he, he loved Ozzy, and then uh, it had uh, he went to Ozzy the, and uh, Billy Squire and Frank Billy, Zappa. Oh, uh, Billy Squire, love Billy Squire. Yeah, well, that, that was a huge concert. Yeah, we talked about that with Phil Johnson the other the other night when he was talking about classic, you know, metal. Because uh, because Def Leppard came up and they opened at the they opened for Billy Squire at my first concert. Right. And of course, we kind of, uh, you know, Aaron and I have always had uh, an interest in music. So, you know, we listened to some Led Zeppelin, of course, you know, got pretty deep into that. Deep into Led Zeppelin. Yeah. But uh, Aaron, Aaron introduced me to Zappa, I guess. I guess I had seen him on the peripheral, you know, like my sister may have had an album or I, I knew of him. Once you see him, you can't mistake him. Phil, Phil dismissed him outright. He'd say, "That's novelty tunes, man." That's right. <laughs> I did. It was because you you brought me um, the torture never stops, <laughs> yellow snow, yeah, Steamfoot. You know, it's like all this stuff was just so like, what the hell's this guy doing? He's freaking. He's mm-hmm. a weird owl, latter day weird owl or something. So <laughs> I kind of tuned out. More of an early day weird owl. Yeah. Well, except he didn't parody other songs. Right. He wrote, yeah. Right. I was incorrect. And Rupal does write his own as well. Right. And he, and he writes good stuff. But, yeah. But he's known for the parodies. I, yeah. Ironically, when we went to um, the concert that he took me to, um, me being the, the No Parodies Tour, already, pretty much. Right? Uh, the entire tour was original songs by Al that were not parodies. Yeah. I mean, he did a few minutes of parodies. He, he, did, he talked the, to a medley at the end or something, right? Yeah, yeah, a medley of the parodies at the end. But, you well, know. All we got to do is evoke the name and we could riff for hours. He is literally, I will catch him humming two or three of the songs, the predominant one being um, Frank's 2,000-inch TV. I love Frank's 2,000-inch yeah. TV. No, you can't have one. We, we're sitting there during the concert. And Weird Al starts singing it, and I look over at him, and I'm like, no. (laughs) Okay. 65 is enough for our space. 
He wanted 85. I negotiated it down to a 55 for the other room um, by offering to go for the 4D. Well, large screens are kind of like an old man's game these days. You know, yeah. The kids, yeah. they're I more mean, about mobility and, you know, yeah. they're not even watching TV. It's like, I mean, when we had the 65 inch TV in this room, um, it was a bit big for this room, but my mother in law actually at one point was like, she was sitting there going, I think we could go in that TV. <laughs> then, uh, they, they say the dogs are, can't mm-hmm. see in three dimensions, right? Right, or right. They can't see, some of them can't see a cell of, they can see 3d they can't see 2d that's what kids are like they can't see the tv either yeah well um well a lot of them were raised using their screens because their parents were yeah dominating the tv and then with streaming it's so much easier to just watch wherever you want to whenever you want to that's true okay but frank but uh i've come to learn that frank was not a latter-day weird Mm -hmm. owl you know it's weird so you know there's that may not be so strange today you know, if I hear them today and, and my musical palette is much more rich, mm-hmm. may not have been as. Uh, uh, no, any any of those songs you mentioned would be equally weird today. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never went down the same path. Life as you. has all green and buzz in this indulgence of despair. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's- yeah, that was, you know, that Connecticut's was pretty, actually kind of weird. I don't yeah. mind that one. <laughs> They're yeah. screaming, creep, sinister little midget with a bucket and a mop where the blood runs down the drain. There's Stink so bad. So bad the stone's been choking. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a different, that that's several different albums. Yeah. But it's not on Does this Does he one. actually say abattoir? No. I don't think so. Okay. Because that's what an abattoir is. But Aaron went deep into that. Yeah, I, I remember at one point, it was, I don't know, probably 1994, I had, uh, back when everybody had CDs, and I had, you know, my rack of CDs, and the bottom two rows were Frank Zappa, and one guy said, you have more Frank Zappa CDs than I have CDs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, you have more CDs in one row than I have ever owned in my entire life. I remember when CDs came out, I was so infuriated. It's like I had all these albums, and then all of a sudden, people were carrying around these books with the uh, plastic inserts and shit. And it's like, you got to rebuy that again, you know? And plus, yeah, that's like, why they do it. I know, I know. But the fidelity was better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, how did you discover Frank, Aaron? I just. Uh, this- I'd say probably Dr. Demento, but. <laughs> Also, after my parents got divorced, my dad was staying with this guy, Chuck, who had Overnight Sensation. So I, that was the first album I heard in its entirety. Okay. And yeah, I'd have been, I don't know, 10, 9 or 10 okay. at that point. And um, when I was like 12, a friend of our neighbor, a friend of Dwight's, gave us a mixtape that was what I now know from... Uh, Parts of uh, Apostrophe, Zappa in New York, and um, Zoo Delours. It was it was songs from those three albums. But uh, yeah, that's probably what I was playing in the boombox when we were in high school. Okay, Nick, uh, I've always known of Frank Zappa just because you know he's an influence on so many you know people today. Uh, but I have never really known much about his music itself. Uh, you know, you used to hear about if you know anything, coming don't up. eat the yellow snow, probably. 
Well, I turned around and I said, ho, ho. Well, I turned around and I said, ho, ho. Well, I turned around and I said, ho, ho. And the northern lights commenced to glow. And she said, with a tear in her eye. Watch out where the huskies go, don't you eat that yellow snow. Watch out where the huskies go, don't you eat that yellow snow. I don't know any of them. Don't so. even know that one. So. No, I don't even know that one. Maybe if I heard it. Um, I, I, I've, I've heard the title before, but yeah. if I heard the song again, yeah, I might know it. St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast. I stole the monitoring. Well, I think I know where Lisa became indoctrinated in the towel of Frank, right? Mm-mm. I don't know. Tipper Gore. The, oh, the yeah, Tipper Gore. Yeah. There was... Uh, the MMC there was, hearings, yeah. Between him and Tipper Gore. And they were supposed to be debating about um, putting ratings on albums and other things. You know, warnings about adult content. And uh, Frank had already done that. He was one of the first. He was like the pioneer on that. Um, And um, partly because he found that an adult-only rating got people to buy more albums. But um, so he's debating Tipper Gore and the... It was was a sarcastic warning. And he, he he wasn't ahead of time on it, really. But uh, he did, and among the things, it's uh, he promises that none of the none of the words on this album will make you uh, do time with the guy with the pointy stick and the, the flames or what I forget I forget how he phrased it, but it's a it's a it's about a two paragraph sticker. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even the though it was ironic, it the was, guy with the horns and the pointy stick. Yeah. It was the beginning, kind of. Yeah. He, he was already doing it and um well no he was fighting against it right right well from the inside he actually did point out that he had been labeling his albums um for quite some time when they had the debate but and someone else was supposed to debate Cape Tippergore I can't remember who but he was a last minute fill in and it ended up that they ended up debating masturbation because the first song that came up was darling nikki and um great song by yeah way. great song yeah. and um what is it and tipper gore is like well i'm not against masturbation and the next thing you know they spend like i don't know 20 minutes of the 25 minute debate with her admitting that she thinks masturbation is normal <laughs> And and him attacking her about, you know, being against masturbation. So it was just really funny. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, mm-hmm. so we're going to dive into the album here in a minute, mm-hmm. but we do like to give a little mm-hmm. background on the, the artist that mm-hmm. we're going to. Uh, would you prefer to do that or do you want me to take yeah, it from my Go for it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't take notes. Um, so Frank, uh, is a, I guess he was born in Baltimore because his father was a developed nerve gas during World War II. In fact, and Frank grew up around this, uh, kind of insidious, uh, chemical and he was a sickly child and, uh, not, you know, trying to connect dots here or anything, but people speculate that it may have been due to his exposure to some of his father's experiments or work. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, but his parent, his parents had no interest in music themselves, so it's kind of his own uh, 
journey. And uh, when he was around 14 or 15 years old, he heard an album by an artist named Edgar Varese. And that was a catalyst for his interest in music. And I think it was jazz. It might have been a jazz artist. No, he's uh, he's more classical. Okay. Well, Frank, uh, definitely an aficionado of classical music. Uh, some of his inspirations are Igor Stravinsky, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Philip Glass. All these guys are very instrumental or very um, experimental and uh, somewhat rooted in jazz. You know, you can definitely hear the jazz influences in most of Frank's work. Um, but eventually he settled in Laurel Canyon and he became what Pamela DeBar called the um, epicenter of uh, California at the time. Apparently he hosted a lot of parties and things of that nature Um uh, slept with a lot of uh, groupies, I guess, including Pamela, and, uh, you know, had a good time. But ironically, you know, a lot of his audience may have, uh, may imbibe, may partake, but Frank himself is a teetotaler. And in fact, he prefers to play before audiences that are sober. Um, he feels like the response is more genuine. They're there for the music. Uh, so is he required his musicians to be pretty much sober too because he, you know you don't want to be in you know, europe and your drummer's in jail all of a sudden or whatever right right if you ever saw the movie uh we talked about this before whiplash i don't think it was quite that bad but frank was very uh uh structured about his operation um, yeah i gotta add that to my list of things to watch yeah it, it's mm -hmm. it's a good movie um mm. so Eventually, he assembled a, a band, The Mothers of Invention, and the album that we're going to um, go over today was the last of that band's albums, and there are guest appearances on this album, so I'm not sure who the core members of The Mothers of Invention are, but I'm just going to list those that well, appeared the, on... The people on this album, none of them were original mothers. He, he, okay. So all, he he basically canned all the mothers or what he told them was, uh, you guys go off, do your own thing, join other bands, you know, spread the seeds, whatever, come back in four or five years and, you know, we'll, we'll see what we got. And they never came back in four or five years. It just never happened. Okay. And this Maybe was the last one he named the mothers of invention. After that, he just went by Frank Zappa. Okay. Good background. Um, so uh the, the 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 artists that appeared on this album are keyboardist vocalist george duke yeah, drummer he went Chester. on to have he went on to have his own jazz solo career um, okay. passed away a few years ago and i saw him in i want to say 2010 at the zappa plays zappa show and uh it, it was amazing Rest well, i have to say george duke. duke i'm glad he was on this album because his vocals are very good yeah, Frank, Frank, so, Frank had to convince him to sing, too. He, he didn't think he was a singer. Really? Yeah. Well, Frank... I played uh, piano, man. I think his voice mm -hmm. is kind of polarizing. I mean... I think, I, I think Frank turned him on to the um, synthesizers, too. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll get into uh, George Duke a little bit more as we talk about the songs, but the uh, drummer, Chester Thompson. Chester's uh, thing. On Ruth. Ruth Underwood, the percussionist. Yeah. Now, uh, Ruth, I know we'll get into it later, but she was married to Ian Underwood, who was a previous mother and mother of invention. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. They got married in like 1969 and divorced in 86, I think. She's universally uh, lauded in everything that I've read and heard is her, her percussion work. Um, yeah, you guys, yeah, you listen to Inca Rhodes and all the, all the stuff that she did here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Fowler on bass, Napoleon Murphy Brock on saxophone and vocals. And apparently on, shows too. What's that? I saw him at a few shows too. Okay. Um, and apparently on Can't Afford No Shoes, uh, James Human played instead uh, of Fowler. Yeah, that's when he broke his hand. Mm-hmm. So there's your lineup. And we'll try he's that. A, he's got a funny nickname. Who? James Human or the other one? Yeah, it's like Fowler. like bird legs or crazy legs or something. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 try to find that when Phil's talk. Okay. So how do you want you want to play a little bit of Inca Road before talking about it, or do you want to introduce it? Well, I'll talk about it a little bit first. Um, the lyrics are basically it, it's kind of a it's a sci-fi theme, and it's I think it's maybe the most prog song on the album, and it's taking the piss out of prog. But it's um, talking about uh, did. Um, who, who created the, like the Mayan pyramids and all this stuff? Was this aliens? Did they build a place up there for spaceships to land? You know, you know, who, who did this? That's basically what, what the lyrics are about. And it's got the amazing percussion, the, I, I don't know if it's vibes or marimba that, that Ruth's playing in this that just kind of drive the whole thing. Um, I love the vocal bridge that when the, you can't, Talk, you can't tell what they're saying, talking over each other, and it ends with a big old Mother Mary and Joseph, which uh, comes up again in uh, Pojama People, part of the conceptual continuity. Well, this is one that you sent a YouTube video of, and to see him in action, too, was really interesting, because you could see that Frank, they were all, they all had eyes on Frank. Like, he wasn't, you know. Yeah, he's conducting. He's actually conducting, yeah. You'd see him raise his hand when he point to Ruth. Making a lot of triangles with his fingers, yeah. Yeah. That's different than you see from a lot of rock acts, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, definitely an insight there. He's, he's principally a composer and conductor, and he also plays guitar. Right. And sings a little, talk sings. So yeah. I, I would say, you know, he keeps company somewhat with some of his uh, idols, like like Stravin- uh, Stravinsky, I guess, you know, in that uh, mm-hmm. it's very orchestral, very uh, jazz-infused and mm-hmm. – and uh, sense of order like you would see at a classical concert so let's go and play a little bit of Inca Road
vehicle come from somewhere other than a vehicle come from so at eight minutes and 45 seconds I, I guess critics might say a little self-indulgent you know a lot of the uh but sure so really, yeah read robert chris gal he hates everything zappa ever did who's a friend of yours no he's uh he's like the dean of rock critics no really what's what's his criticism is that the criticism self-indulgent um, over sure let me read what he says about this one i'll, I'll find it here okay okay, okay. What, what were your impressions uh, nick while you were listening to that i liked it uh aaron mentioned the 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 talk singing that he does and uh you know diamond diamond dave lee roth uh made a good <laughs> career out of talk singing so yeah bob, bob dylan too yeah right. yeah it, bob dylan was more talk sing mumble Mumble, yeah. yes, mumble. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Not a mumble. Um, I think it's definitely in the the vein of the space rock era, you know, like Rocket mm-hmm. Man, yeah, uh, yeah, Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. And all that. Do you think that's more parody of that, or do you think it's just his voice? He gave it a C plus. Oh wow! Oh. Well, probably- music has gotten a little slicker rhythmically, which is what happens when you consort with jazz guys. But basically, it's unchanged, and his satire is neither improved nor deteriorated. If his contempt would be beneath an overbright high school junior, there's also a brief leader parody that I'd love to jam on the WQXR. He's talking oh. about the German uh, sofa there, the sofa number two. Yeah. Mm. What changed is the tastes of its erstwhile lionizers. They've gotten bored with his repertoire of stylistic bar- barbarities. Us smart people just got bored faster. C plus. Wow. Calling you an idiot. <laughs> that's a good grade. I mean, yeah. that's a that's he's insulting the fans as well as the music. Yeah, but the, all of the Zappa albums are you know C plus, C, B minus. Mm. He gave apostrophe and. He, he rated sleep dirt better than one size fits all, which makes no sense. Yeah. And, and you I mean, know what? If you like something, but like it's, it, yeah, it's, it's apologize. not. His, don't worry about whatever. If, you, if you're not, if Zappa is not your thing, then it's not your thing. So you can't go by. I, I don't go by the reviews of people that, you know, it's not their thing. Kind of. Well, I don't go to buy reviews at all. I, when I look at Rotten Tomatoes, I look at the audience scores, not the reviewer scores. And then he looks at the reviewer scores and not the audience scores. Yeah, I look at the critic scores. Those are the ones that matter in the industry. And and a lot of the times the film will have high critic scores and audience scores, so we'll go to those. But, you know, if um, otherwise we, we have individual picks where I'll pick an audience score and he'll pick a critic score and... Oftentimes, we enjoy the audience score movie better, even though he doesn't always admit it. And by we, I mean him too. Going by reviews on, especially like movies and music, it's very, you know, it's so subjective that, you know, I've seen plenty of things that got great reviews that I thought were horrible. And I've seen things that got mediocre reviews that I thought were good. So um, Mm -hmm. you just never know. Yeah. Mm Well, I, the only reason I like the critics' reviews is because they have context a lot of times. A lot of times people say, oh, it sucked. Mm-hmm. Or that, you know, right. that blew, <laughs> or that wasn't funny or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where a critic might talk about other films that are similar and how it fell short or whatever. Yeah. How, hey, watch so this one instead. That's what makes it more interesting. To if me. you're going to go to a Another movie. The thing about movie critics, especially, is, you know, they've, they've just seen the movie once. Uh huh. 
and yeah. you know might not you know might not have gotten key points to it mm-hmm. like uh the Nuance. podcast i listen to from the ringer the rewatchables where they do deep dives into old movies mm-hmm. um, the, the kind that if it comes on cable at any point you'll you'll pick up and watch to the end of it if you if you start in the middle that that's a rewatchable mm-hmm. um but they uh they have a a feature at the end of what did Roger what was Roger Ebert's review and you know there's there's times when Ebert would come back years later and change his opinion on something right okay. yeah well I, you know I've been talking to a couple that do a podcast called uh, an evening at the movies mm-hmm. and of course I love the Godfather so I listened to their Godfather episode and they're really Siskel good. and Siskel and Ebert's original show is called something like that Something yeah. like that. At, at the movies. At the movies. Yeah. At the movies. Yeah. But they were really good. They went deep into it. It was two episodes long, and they did fun facts, and they went to the background of the actors, and they they really fleshed it out. And I, it, and they were fun. You know, they were fun to listen to. So I think we're going to do a podcast with them coming up. Cool. Um, Sounds fun. Yeah, but that's always a, a great thing. Kind of an instructive thing. Right. I know we've done some movie reviews. Um, but, uh, I just, I talk about what I like. So, you know, I don't really get into like, I don't know how professional. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sounds doesn't have to be professional. Mm -hmm. No, but it does help. I mean, it does help if you prepare, do notes and have, you know, fun facts or verify, like if people look it up on Wikipedia and decide everything you said is wrong, then Mm -hmm. you're kind of, you know, it's like, it's, um. Well, I mean, I don't think we're erroneous. I think we're just more opinion versus, um, you know, structure. And that's the whole thing with critics for me. They watch so many movies with the intent to almost, it seems like, pick it apart. Because that's, it's like their job is to, um, and, and oftentimes they prevent the negative and not the positive. For me, personally. Yeah. So, you know. And, uh, I mean, honestly, the only movies we've reviewed were movies we liked. So, yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah. Like we did one episode on, uh, movies to die for where we initially went to movies after COVID. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was, well, uh, it was kind of, it was kind of during Well, but the theater was open. Yeah. It was the one theater in, um, Southwest Ohio actually that was open. That's why we call it, mm-hmm. yeah. And you, you had to wear your mask still. And, um, you know, we're sitting there in the in the theater pulling down the mask, popcorn, put the mask up, you know. And, and there was, like, three other couples in the room. And we were all spaced well over six feet apart. <clears throat> but it was a fairly small theater. It's, it's the art theater in yeah. our community. So. I still haven't been back to a theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got you. Let's go ahead and get to the second track here. Um, can't afford no shoot. This is a little more. First, I want to say guacamole queen, guacamole queen, guacamole queen. <laughs> yeah, right. Is it guacamole queen? Okay. Guacamole queen, guacamole queen, guacamole queen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I used uh, to practice as a, a tongue kid. twister. Yeah. At the Armadillo in Austin, Texas, Aurora, or did someone build a place or leave a space for Chester's thing to land? Chester's thing on Ruth. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> is that off-putting to you? Is it like I know you know if you have something the speed or the, the the speed of it, just the you know the the 
Are you a fan of jazz, Nick? Yeah. It could get a little bit. I mean, it, I can definitely tell that he influenced Ween. Because yeah. Ween had a lot of those, like, the yeah. it's it's the little background noises and stuff that you throw in there that kind of, to I me, distract it. from the song. But, you right. know, but that, no, I've, I've not had a problem with, like, the, the, the singing. That's that's what he that's what Frank calls putting the eyebrows on it. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, some songs don't need eyebrows. Yeah. I think there was a dog barking in both the Ween album we reviewed and this. Uh, yeah. Yes, dog definitely. Up. There's definitely at least Frank saying "arf." Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, let's play a little bit. Arf of can't afford no shoes. This one uh, said Johnny Guitar Watson singing this one. There's a bundle of rags that I could use. Hey. Yeah. yeah, I like this one. This one was pretty good. Yeah, pretty bluesy. Pretty um, bluesy and a little more uh, melodic singing in there too. See, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's more, yeah, tr- more standard timings and meters and stuff too. Yeah, recession, depression, recession, depression. Yeah, there are a couple songs. There, there are songs on this album that are more accessible than others, and this is, I think, one of the more accessible ones. Um, short and sweet, two minutes and thirty-eight seconds. Could be on the radio, not today's radio, of course, but mm-hmm. back in the seventies, you might find it played on the radio, maybe. Sure. Um, gives it wasn't, but you might have. Yeah, <laughs> right. You might have. <laughs> maybe in Laurel Canyon or something, you might pick up Frank Radio coming to the yeah. airwaves. The only place I used to hear it in Cincinnati besides Dr. Demento was, um, what's that community radio station? BXU? No, that's, that's Xavier. That's GUC. GUC. That's UC. But there's, there's another one that's like, uh, WCIN. Is that what it was? I haven't heard that in like 20 years. Yeah. And it's, well, it was community radio. So anybody could go in and do a show and they had one called the Poodle Bites. That was uh, just Frank Zappa, and they do it like I don't know every Thursday night at eleven or something like that. And it'd be a half hour Frank Zappa music. Yeah, I don't think that station is in effect anymore. It's, yeah, well, they at least uh, knew people it. do that. They do the same thing. They just do it, you know, more. Uh, uh, well, now they know. have podcasts. Right, right, with podcasts and streaming and so on. Well, I see this with like uh, Dave's a better reception. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, with Dave's yeah. band, they'll say, "Okay, listen in tonight. We're going to play this list of songs." So that's sort of like, and Dave, it's live, it's streaming. Dave Mayer? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a website streaming service, ad hoc radio uh, on the internet station. Mm-hmm. 
and they say, you know, Ludlow Creek, for instance, like, they'll say tune in tonight at uh, 8 p.m. And they show the list of the songs in sequence that they're going to play. So it's kind of like harkening back to an older, a different time, I guess, with the DJ probably introducing them and talking about them and stuff, which is cool. Um, I, I have a um, question for you. They, this is them playing live. No, no, is, but this is, uh, this is their this is their CD. This is their right. pre-recorded tracks. Okay, introducing the music as if it were being played on a radio station. Right. Okay. Which is pretty now, cool. Now, in in a sense, that's an album dive. So, Aaron, as an album person, where you feel like you don't get the full, um, I, it seems to me, well, it depends on the artist, more out of listening to an whole album repeatedly um, than to listen to like in a eclectic choice of songs. So, as an album person, the fact that albums are not many people don't even release an album; they just release like a single. How does how has that affected your choices for new music? It hasn't. No. Okay. The only new music I really listen to lately are Wet Leg and King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. Yeah, <laughs> that's Lizard, Wizard. <laughs> that's not shocking. And, now, <laughs> and they both uh, they both put out albums. In fact, King Gizzard put puts out. I think they put out five albums last year. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. Um, now, do you get, uh, do any of your boys cue you into newer music? They listen to older music than I do. Oh, <laughs huh? yeah. Eli listens to mostly Japanese stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Liam, well, Lars is going through, uh, he he mostly listens to, uh, I don't know, Susie and the Banshees era, you know, kind of. British. Punk glam. Um, but now he's uh, checking out like drum and bass. He's been listening to a lot of Portis Head lately. That's cool. Yeah, it's funny. It, it's like even yeah, young kids are listening mm -hmm. to older music predominantly. Yeah, like like but, but my are kids awesome. are they're they're homeschooled and and you know they don't have the normal influences that right. kids would have. Plus they're adults now, really. Well, yeah. Our boss, Nick and I, our boss, his daughter loves, you know, I always say Pink Floyd, but she's into vinyl. You know, she's revisiting Peter Gabriel, you know, Genesis, you know, everything. It's funny how that how the music lasts. And Well, then you'll know if something new is good if it lasts. I was playing Peter Gabriel at my desk at my last job, and this, this lady in the mailroom, you no. Know, Middle-aged lady. She's from France. She comes up and says, "Oh, I love Patrick Gabriel. I saw him in Paris." <laughs> oh. But the, every I, I I always just want to say Patrick Gabriel now. Every time Patrick Gabriel. Patrick Gabriel. Patrick Gabriel. Um, we were riding along with um, our boss, and he's listening to Peter Gabriel on the radio. And this point comes on, and he kicks his hands. He goes like this, and I'm like, "Put your fucking hands back on the wheel." You know, he was so into it that he was like, yeah. put your hands back on the wheel. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he loves, he's crazy about Peter Gabriel. I mean, because Gabriel, he uh, records all of sh his shows, of course. And not only that, he uh, produces them, you know, like albums. Like he puts them back out. He doesn't just stick them out there tonight that he, that he does it. 
mm-hmm. it'll put his live performances out there after he's gone through the editing process and stuff. So he's meticulous. He's not a first draft kind of guy. No. Um, but uh, I, I wonder about, uh, we'll get to sofa number one here in a second, but I'm wondering, do you know if Zappa and uh, um, Alice Cooper were, you know. I think they were label mates rough. at one point. Yeah. But I know that Cooper, his, it wasn't a criticism really, but he felt like that Frank's going back to can't afford no shoes again. He sort of, uh, his popular appeal suffered due to his style. Yeah, it was a, the only criticism he really had of him. But uh, I thought that was interesting because Cooper is, uh, you know, I know I know Nick likes Alice Cooper and, you know, yeah. uh, really good, uh, a good guy and everything. But, but I, I have Same a feeling era. that... Uh, that Frank Zappa didn't really care about, you know, the popular. Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're right about that. He had his niche. He had his um, devotees. And I think that was good for him. Let's go ahead. I don't think he did it for, for business. It, he did it professional, but I don't, it doesn't seem like he did it for. What a money grab. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, what do you think, Aaron? Um, I think. That he would have liked to have had some of his uh, songs on the radio more mm-hmm. often, especially some of the instrumentals like Peaches on Regalia would be from from Hot Rats. Um, but yeah, it wasn't meant to be in the times. Yeah, right. I think that had he he maybe he was in the wrong century. Maybe well, he would have been um, one of what is considered the great composers during the area of era of the great composers. He may have, yeah. Maybe. Very definitely. Could have been, yeah. yeah. But maybe a lot of people had the same experience that I did. You know, I was introduced to something that was so... Radically different. Radical. Mm-hmm. You know, he has so much out there that's so experimental and radical that it's easy to dismiss it on first impression. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really hook you necessarily in a way. When you think about the fact that... Yeah. It, it seems like, uh, from from what I understand, there was a lot of music left in his home that didn't even get out. So, oh, the vaults, it sounds like it, like the iceberg, the tip was what he sent out. Sort of like, yeah. Um, there's lots of posthumous Zappa releases every year still. Let's go ahead and play um, Sofa Number One. So that was a pure instrumental. And I felt like it the piano was like the featured instrument in it. But Aaron, didn't you make a comment that you that you may disagree with that? Well, no, in this version it is, but I'm so used to so many other live versions that I think of it as a horn song, a brass song. Okay. <laughs> it, it it usually starts with like a saxophone. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, you know, trumpets and yeah. <laughs> so it's it's usually a big, you know, twelve piece band playing this. And I can imagine it's something they probably expand on. It's probably longer than two and a half minutes uh, in concert. Um, significantly, if they're just playing number one or number two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll I'll do the German lyric translation when we get to number two later. I guess that's that ends the album, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a nice little piece, but uh, you probably have to have a little more technical uh, knowledge of music to really break that down. So we'll move on to. Yeah, I still I- hear the lyrics even even in number one. Okay. In my head. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Eek bin der Chrome Dinette. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's someone who's. Chrome Dinette? That's yeah. German. Okay. Yeah. I'm a Chrome Table. Oh. Yeah. I am the Chrome Dinette. I am eggs of all persuasions. <laughs> oh, I love eggs. <laughs> I love eggs. Yep. Yeah. I am an egg person. <laughs> translates to I am eggs of all persuasions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that must be that's gonna be Lisa's favorite, I can tell right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Pojama mm-hmm. People. This may I'm not decided yet because the album's mm-hmm. so fresh in my mind, but this may be my favorite track on the album. And it's Pojama. a good one. I don't know who the Pojama people are, but he's made them famous here for sure. So um the p- pajama people, the people are boring me to pee. That, the ones that make me sleepy with the things that they say. Those are the pajama people. Yeah. Hoy, hoy, hoy. Hoy, hoy, hoy. That was very <laughs> random. Get and, out of my way. Yeah, what I love about this this one, you know, I think I've told you before, I think I feel like uh the instrumentals usually drive my um what I like about a song. But in this case, I love what he does with the lyrics, not only with the start, you know, the hoy, 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 which is kind of random and, and cool, but the way he slows down his vocals and speeds them up at different, mm-hmm. you know, different the, tempos. The tempo the changes, song. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, like, for instance, when he transitions to uh, boy, they make you sleepy with the things they, that they say, there's a point where he does that and he does it very deliberately and slow. And it goes yeah. right back into it's kind of hits up. Boy, they make you sleepy with the things that make sense. Right. The cadence. That was really, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things I, that stood out to me about this song. Um, and of course, you know, the guitar, the guitar playing and all of this it. This one has our second Mother Mary and Joseph, by the way. Okay. More that's right. Mm-hmm. So do you agree? With, I mean, is this one of your favorites off the album, Aaron? Or Yeah, I I mean, I feel like they're all my favorites off right. the album. So it's, yeah, I get it. Evelyn, a modified dog. <laughs> I get it. If you love an album, you know, all the tracks go together to make the whole. Yeah. You know? Now, Inc- Inca Rhodes is by far my favorite, though. And Florentine Pogan's probably my second favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying there. I've, I've got plenty of albums where, you know, I, I, I couldn't pick a favorite off of. Yeah. Right. How about this one? Um, since um, I, I yeah, only got I to really listen to it once. Um, mm-hmm. If if uh, I'd have to give it a couple more listens to Some before I would, hot. I could really give one. Some people's cold. Some people's <laughs> not very swift to behold. Let me go ahead and play some of it. I don't think I played any of it yet here. Yeah, and it's got a raging guitar solo. This one. <laughs> 
Today, pajama people, pajama people, people, rap them over, rule them out, get them out of my way. Hang in the hang in the hang in the hang. Hoy, 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 rap them over, rule them out, get them out of my way. Hang in the hang in the hang in the hang. Hoy, 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 rap them over, rule them out. Get them out of my way. Ruth in there again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So that, that's what I wanted. Yeah. Was it? No, no, it's, it's on San Bernardino. I want to make a point about Ruth when we get to that one, but All right. um, yeah, that's a, that, that's a very good. Uh, that's a very good track. Um, if, if I were to personally, if I were to say, here's something, you know, you might not want to listen to the whole album here, but, Take a listen to this. This is one I would offer up. And of course, yeah, Inca Road. Yeah, that's kind of pretty, pretty awesome also. Um, but let's go on to Florentine Pogan. And I don't know about you, but first thing I was like, what the hell is a Florentine Pogan? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't quite know. I guess I, I don't know. The daughter of a wealthy. Well, I don't know what a Pogan is. Somebody from Florence, I guess. Mm hmm. Well, the song refers to a car over and over and over. Um, She didn't like it when her fan belt shrunk and got shorter. The battery leaks would nearly cost her a quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do like, again, I like the vocals. I like the cause and the call and response effect of the vocals, kind of. Hogan appears to be a German word again. And isn't there a reference to it? I can't think of the car, but I think there's a reference to another make of car in it. Yeah, deep in the street, she drove a 59 Morgan. Yeah. So, but, to, you know. The, the, she was a debutante daisy with a color note organ. Deep in the street, she drove a 59 Morgan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I uh, guess it's the Morgan that's having these problems. Yeah, well. Her father I mean, is the Florentine, or her mother, yeah. maybe. She was the daughter of a wealthy Florentine Pogan. Read and weep was her adjustable, her adjustable slogan. slogan. Adjustable slogan, yeah. Pogan is Dutch for try or attempt. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a Florentine pretender, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Someone who 
Maybe Nouveau, Nouveau Riche? Perhaps. Hmm. The German flavor on this album is, is interesting. <laughs> you know, where's that come from? Yeah. I don't know, but it, uh, it continues in Joe's garage. Okay. Um, pick me. I'm clean. There's a God. How do I start with this? Okay. I got 10 minutes of backstory to get you to, to this point to where I'm describing, uh, this, uh, sex robot that looks like, uh, piggy bank with marital aids stuck all over it. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> but, uh, and the whole story of Joe's garage, Joe has this, has a band. Um, he ends up, uh, meeting bad influences in the band. And I don't know. He somehow ends up giving all his money to this groovy religious guy, L Ron Hoover from the first church of appliantology. And he tells him that he has to go into the closet and find a nice appliance, uh, probably a foreign one, German, for instance. A lot of really cute ones come from over there. And um, then uh, it starts singing robotic voice, first in English and then in German. And, you know, saying, you know, don't get no jizz up on the sofa and all kinds of weird stuff. But we'll we'll uh, go back to these German lyrics. Are we at sofa number two yet? No, we're still on Florentine Pogan. Yeah, so Pogan, I guess, is Dutch, not German. Okay, got eight minutes to go. You have to remember Europe being so close together. You know, I mean, you can literally walk from one country to another in Europe. And Dutch and Deutsch being really close. Yeah. Well, let's move along to Evelyn, a modified modified dog. Somewhere near the Steinway or even from within Had caused the doily fringe to waft and tremble in the gloom Evelyn, a dog, having undergone further modification, pondered the significance of short-person behavior in pedal-depressed, panchromatic resonance, and other highly ambient domains. Frank used to do these experiments in a studio called the Piano People, and he would have uh, he would have people put their heads down in in a in a piano and get them to talk he'd give them conversation topics and when they talk the strings would vibrate Mm -hmm. and i think that's a lot of what influenced uh evelyn a modified dog especially that part you just played Uh, she sits under there pondering the significance of short person behavior and pedal depressed panchromatic resonance and other highly ambient domains Mm -hmm. i think that's pretty clearly the some sort of piano experiment yeah, well, there's a um, little look behind the curtain there. I saw a thing that said, uh, Evelyn, a modified dog, is based on an echidna from the zoo, which is like a little uh, hedgehog-looking thing. Mm-hmm. And I guess the Zappa family adopted an echidna, which means they paid for its food for a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> food and care. Yeah, so, uh, and that's the name, too, of the song so it, i guess it all kind of sort of weirdly comes full circle there echidnas are for view oh that's a different that's a different song on a different album i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> more continent more more conceptual continuity yeah yeah echidnas are for view is a different it's uh, that's not evelyn a modified dog but they're clearly related i never tied it together the echidna thing huh. but he would have people crawl up inside a piano close the lid on them and then have them yeah, Eric Clapton, for instance. <laughs> you made Eric Clapton do that? 
Maybe Eric, Eric Clapton willingly did. Eric Clapton willingly did that, and it's on the Lumpy Gravy album. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to make it sound uh, inappropriate, <laughs> but it's like maybe that's what happened yeah. to Clapton. Maybe one of those uh, things plucked him in the head a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting. I mean, um, isn't he an anti-vaxxer? Clapton, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's all kind of stuff in it. But, yeah, um, he's, he's got a lot of issues, Clapton. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to San Bernardino. Yeah, this is this is another uh, <laughs> more accessible. Mm-hmm. I think this one has uh, Captain Beefheart on harmonica. Captain Beefheart on harmonica. Yeah, credited as uh, Rolling Red Eye something or other. Okay, Bloodshot Rolling Red. Again, that competes for one of my favorites from the album. Yeah, the the very end, the outro vocals are, is it Johnny Guitar Watson? Yeah. And that's when he's saying, uh, talking about the the air in San Bernardino. And I've I've only been there a couple times, and I can attest that it is really polluted there. Mm -hmm. He he says something about uh, how the the air turns green, and uh, he names some garage, and he says that's where they take all the cars that they hurt. There's some weird stuff that he says in that in that outro. Yeah, some inside California stuff there. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, James Yeoman is uh, James Birdlegs Yeoman. I found that nickname. The thing that struck me about this, I was listening to this this morning, and at one point Lisa asked me to go get something from the basement, and I went down to the basement while this was playing, and all I could hear, it sounded like Ruth was was playing drums right overhead, like – I mean, it was, that's the only thing. If she's really banging on this song, I mean, to be fair, we have no insulation. It's just floorboards and basement. But she's but kind still. of a, sounds like you were rocking. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It, I, I wasn't even playing it that loud, but you know, you were. <laughs> but um, so but she's kind of a hypnotic character. When you see the when you see the uh, the, video. the videos, you know, she's attractive. You know, she's kind of takes your eyes away from Frank. She's you a, can hear his voice change when he talks about someone he's got the hots for. Yeah. <laughs> Watch, watching him, watching her, watching her with the mallet, so how fast she is. And then, she, you know, she, she like touches it to make it stop while yeah. she's doing all that stuff. Right. And she run, runs over to the like big kettle drum and has some stuff going on over there and has to stop that. And it's, right. she's, she's got, a, she's running back and forth like a mad woman. And then when you see a tight spot, uh, shot of her face, she's looking at Frank. You know, she's always taking direction, you know, from him. He's and what's interesting, she, what's interesting about her is that she's a Juilliard trained musician. 
who really had no background in rock and roll. I don't know if she's gone back to rock and roll since the mother's invention, but Frank, she saw Frank in person and was transformed and was brought into that orbit. Um, so I think, you know, that's interesting. She, she, married, uh, she married Ian Underwood from the band, as I, I mentioned earlier. I guess mm-hmm. this is the time to bring that up. Um, Ian played uh, various saxophones and flutes and I think keyboards, um, maybe violin even. He, he's a multi-instrumentalist. And um, something if you want to check out, he, there's a, a track called Ian Underwood Whips It Out, where he's, he he describes uh, meeting Frank and he says, oh, I, you know, I like your music. I play, play alto saxophone and, you know, tenor saxophone and this and that. And at the end, he says, Frank said, whip it out. And then you hear, you hear just this sax solo going off for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, she seems like she, uh, in the interview you sent over, she seems to have an uh, East Coast accent. She seemed to be like maybe a New Yorker. Or yeah, something. She's, she's born and bred New Yorker for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the backing vocals on this this one is great, as you mentioned. You know, spend the rest of my life down in San Bernardino. You know, it's really good. Uh, rest of my life, rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, right. Which, nice. Which, based on the pollution, might not be very long. I'm talking about, ain't talking about Fontana. Ain't talking about, about, about. Ain't talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it was a nice break from Frank, I guess. You know, which Frank is a good singer. But I always felt like he had sort of a lot in common with the uh, game show host. You know, the sound of his voice, you know, sounds sort of like, yeah. hey, let's uh, he's, get some He's turtle like out. a very game show host or MC or like a ringleader kind of a circus, maybe. Yeah. But uh, you say game show host. He, he does, I think, enjoy game shows. And he has... Uh, Don Pardo on a couple of songs on Zappa in New York. And he had Don Pardo on, on Saturday night live too, when he was on there. Um, he's on, I'm the slime, which is, uh, it's, I'm the slime oozing out from your TV set. He, he, he does the part, uh, you, he does, there's this big long rap where the TV's telling you how you're going to obey everything it says. And, uh, Don Pardo does that. It's pretty cool, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, brings it around to the game show bit. Yeah. Right. So, um, so what was your impression? So it says Don Pardo tell them what they've won. <laughs> and then oh. they... The ability to listen to this some more. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, I picked up on the same thing, especially like, you know, old school game show hosts, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which Pardo did a lot, you know, and, and tie in Lisa's weird yeah, owl. Like he he's like he was the, on, he was uh, the voiceover guy behind the, yeah, he wasn't the, yeah. He wasn't the host, but yeah, he was the announcer. Right, right. The yeah. incidental <laughs> mention of Weird Al once again. Thank you, Nick. Yep, you're welcome. He was on. Uh, he was on that the uh, Lost on Jeopardy Weird Al song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Tell them what they won. That's right. Yeah. I like the turtle wax. That was always like, what the heck is turtle wax? I actually thought that people were going to wax their wax turtles. Their turtle. Yeah, as as a kid, <laughs> I, I, I thought I remember it was I, wax for turtles. I asked my parents right away. <laughs> like, what's I turtle wax? My parents, I liked the thought of turtles being waxed. Just wax, just car wax. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, you know what? Uh, what I remember about Don Pardo, uh, up until maybe the incident. This is a little dark, but up until the incident with uh, John Lennon, 
They would always come on SNL and say, guests of SNL are playing at Berkshire Place. And Don Porter yeah. would say that. And they'd show like a little drawing of the hotel, mm. maybe with the freaking address on it or something. Right. They stopped doing that. <laughs> it's not a good idea to tell them where the guests yeah. are. Like, uh, right. Sometimes the guests don't want you to know where they are. Right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, I guess that, uh, that little free thing. <laughs> this is where you should go. Here's a photo. So in case you can't find it otherwise. Right. Anyway, not never thought about the, that. The, the uh, energy. Did we play? Some, yeah, we played some San Bernardino. So let's move I on. Don't know if that uh, would have brought. Did that bring down the energy? No. <laughs> okay. Well, the energy is sufficiently uh, intact. Then. So <laughs> next is Andy. Andy. Andy Devine. Let's go ahead and play a little Andy. Now, who is Andy Devine again? He's uh, he was an act. Have you? Do you know the Robin Hood cartoon? The Disney Robin Hood cartoon. Yeah. Uh-huh. The voice of Friar Tuck. He's oh, got a real okay. gravelly voice. Oh, and he's known yeah. for that voice in, in Westerns. He's in a lot of John Wayne movies. And he's kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, Sheriff. Kind of. He did a lot of Disney stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's like he's like the mole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I have to say, I didn't know who Andy Devine was. Um, apparently, he was immortalized by Jimmy Buffett in a song called Pencil Thin Mustache, also. Okay. I didn't know that was about Andy Devine. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> wiki wiki info there. Yeah. Um, worked with John Wayne, another one of our heroes. Um, hmm. <laughs> you mean... Elvis. Was a hero to most. Wasn't John Wayne a Nazi sympathizer? Fuck him and John Wayne. Well, not to mention he hated horses. Well, you look at all the bad stuff. He hated <laughs> horses right there. He's looking at the bad stuff. He did not like horses. I'm suspicious. Well, yeah, well. Right then and there. John Wayne didn't but, like horses. No, he never liked horses. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I know. Exactly. Well, he had even, to be restrained at the end. He would have to, you know, he needed the gentle horse. He, he was, he had made it was a phobia. So I guess I should honor the fact that he overcame that phobia. But yeah, he never liked horses. He I prefer to call him by his birth name. Horses. Huh? I prefer to call him by his birth name, Marion. Yeah, Marion. But, uh, but Marion, uh, well, to be totally honest, before World War II, it was kind of popular to um, like the Nazi Party because they were doing oh, boy. Germany. That's not good. Okay. But <laughs> but then we found out what they were really doing, and then they became, you know. Human. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since but we're bringing up. They didn't present as that kind of, you know. Yeah. As long as we're bringing up bad stuff about John Wayne, mm-hmm. <laughs> he had to be restrained from attacking Sashi Littlefeather when she was accepting the Academy 
award for Brando for, for the Godfather. Wayne wanted to, he, he was irate that that was going down and mm-hmm. had to be restrained from a Will Smith incident, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, back I can back. just imagine uh, uh, John Wayne attack, you know, uh, taking down a Native American while she's trying to make a speech that, oh, my God, that would have been the best. That okay. Been, that would have been terrible. I mean, yeah, I, I would have. I'm sorry. I'd have loved it. <laughs> well, as it turns out, you know. As well, yeah. might as well complete the story. She wasn't really Native American yet. Her name yeah. is Marie Louise Cruz, and, and it's not really, it doesn't really matter, but it's Do you think part of the story. Brando that, that, knew she wasn't actually a Native American. Maybe they just, I don't know. Her. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So Brando, maybe, yeah. I, I don't know how close she was to Brando, but that whole story is a weird dude, too. <laughs> yeah, he was a weird dude. Very yeah. weird. Brando, oh, yeah. I like Don Carleone a little better, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> really with Don like most people with an X chromosome or with a Y chromosome rather um, I don't have to wonder why he watches The Godfather every time it's on because it's a mm-hmm. spectacular movie it's Absolutely. very engaging Absolutely. we'll talk about that with our friends from an evening at the movie seeing it three times <laughs> is good for me I know that Nick agrees with you yeah, Nick does not like the Godfather. So. I don't. Uh, I can't help I've you guys. Seen it. I don't know about Aaron. I have a feeling he probably it, uh, doesn't like yeah. violence. And- I I like the Godfather. Godfather Part Two. It is violent, but yeah, yeah. but it's it's in context. Mm-hmm. Godfather yeah. Part Three is a piece of shit. The 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 three or four times that I have seen, well, the whole thing where he cast his daughter, that was a problem, but someone else was supposed to do the part, and she just stepped into it. Well, the only I thing that movie has is the they pulled me back in line. Other yeah. than that, it's garbage. Well, I would have agreed with you, but I happened to li- I happened to watch it again over the holidays, Godfather yeah. Three. Mm-hmm. And I think in context, it's not as good as one or two, but it's no. still an engaging movie. I mean, it's still it's Watchable. like it's better than most of the trash that's on uh, streaming services anymore. You know, mm-hmm. they, like all these sh- you know, movies and and stuff that pop up out of every. You know, you got to. I don't want to slam Tubi or some of the, the networks that actually air stuff that appears on our show. Yeah, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, it's it's free, right? So. Yeah. I think it's it's subject like like Nick said it's subjective. It is subjective. I yes. mean, there are movies on there that get like a, a Philip doesn't want to watch any movie that's like zero through ten that's got less than an eight, and one through five it has to have at least a four. And my thing is sometimes a movie's watchable even if it's bad. So, but I grew that's up true. with a father yeah. who appreciated bad movies. Yeah. So yeah, we've been we've. I remember the Plan Nine from Outer Space bit from, uh, mm-hmm. from the Muso. Was it? Was it? What's the King Manos? Yeah, Manos. Manos yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Well, and and the whole thing is, we learned. I don't know. I guess a little bit later um, that I didn't realize when we were doing the episode that Manos was considered one of the worst because, but they had completely remastered the version we saw. Because I didn't think it was that bad. Well, Jackie, it turns out it was altered extensively after they found the cut, and it needed work. I think Jackie so. is forever indebted to Mystery Science mm-hmm. Theater three thousand for adding uh, mm-hmm. dimension to the to right. the movie that 
you know, if you just, if you just watch it on its own, in fact, she said this to us, she said, mm-hmm. did you watch it on your own? And we said, oh yeah, or, or mystery science theater on its own or mystery. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, we watched it, you know, straight without the yeah. aliens. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and I admit there are some bad movies that are so much better with commentary, but honestly, I add my own commentary. I have my own sarcastic uh, commentary when a movie's, you know, pretty unwatchable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you riff. Yes, I riff. So have we said enough about I don't Andy? I think I'm funny. I, I love the song. I have no idea what the fuck it's about. <laughs> Andy. Oh. Have I yeah, that was, blown mine? That, that was a good one. I think that yeah, was I mean, I don't, I don't know why Andy Devine has aligned with a blown yeah. mind or you know, I, I don't know what the context of any of that is but it swings like mad yeah <laughs> but I, I wondered if it was political because apparently uh, divine was a gold water republican but uh i doubt it you know i doubt mm-hmm. if it was political or anything but yeah. maybe he was just a jerk i don't know what the thong rind is about either right mm. is that german or is it english maybe T-H- oh. t-h-o-n-g like uh like a like a strip of leather or mm-hmm. or modern short under modern modern narrow underpants. Yeah, <laughs> and rind like uh, you know fruit peel. Oh. Okay, uh, maybe wrong rind. Uh, it was sublime, but the wrong kind. It had another shredding guitar solo, of course. I mean, they all have great guitar work. I mean, that's that's the one. If you like get, guitar based music, I mean, holy crap. This Especially bass. He's the, the guy he's got playing bass on this album is really good. Right. Did Patrick O'Hearn on this one? No, Jane Tom Fowler. Tom Fowler. Well, Nick is a bass bassist, so he would he would know. I think uh, that might be a difference between uh, the video and the recording. It might have been Patrick O'Hearn on the vi- no. Nah, it was Tom Fowler. I think. Never mind. Says Emily Latella. Well, let's go ahead. And- sofa number two. Yeah. Sofa number two is the, the last song on the album, and uh, Aaron, I believe, is anxious to get to that one, so let's go ahead and play it. Ich bin dein geheimes Wut und verlorenes Is that sufficient? Yeah. So I can translate what, what you just heard. Okay. It's, it starts out in English. I am the heaven. I am the water. Then I am the dirt beneath your rollers. I am your secret smut and lost metal money. I am your cracks. I am your cracks and crannies. Then back to English. I am the clouds. I am embroidered. Yeah. And back to German. I am the author of all tucks and damask piping i am the chrome dinette i am the chrome dinette i am eggs of all persuasions 
I am all days and nights. I am all days and nights. I am here and you are my sofa. I am here and you are my sofa. I am here and you are my sofa. So it doesn't make any more sense in English than it does in German. And I would, if I were interviewing him, first of all, I would, um, I would have a sofa. And second of all, I would probably center the interview around the eggs. Don't know if you saw the album cover for One Size Fits All, but there's a big sofa across the top of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a crazy thought. Somebody suggested that I read that Frank intentionally wrote obtuse lyrics occasionally. Just for the heck of it. Just for the heck of it. Just for the... Yeah. Just he's, to drive he's more, inter- he's more interested in the music and didn't care what the lyrics were so much. There are tons so of popular could, songs. They could, be t- they could be completely nonsensical or they could be, you know, some of them are deep. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's... So again, Aaron, you brought an album that I can't really rip parts. <laughs> I've got a few reservations about the lyrics and, you know, the same same old arguments, but man, the the instrumentation, the virtuosity of the guitar playing, introducing me to Ruth's drumming, you know, that was cool. Mm-hmm. She was awesome. Yeah. I like this I like all the musicians on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, George Duke. It is very listenable. Shout out yeah. George Duke one more time. George Duke. George Duke. Yeah. Did he go on to other things and sing or Yeah, he became George Duke. Oh, okay. I don't know what he yeah, what what is that from? Well, it's his mm-hmm. band, I guess. Oh, he's got yeah. his own band. Yeah. Well, he he did until he passed away. Oh, well, people do that. Yeah. Uh, what did. was his band called? George Duke. Oh, okay. So, I guess my favorite track off of it probably is um probably is Pojama People. I really like that one. That's the one I mind. Mine was the one before this one. Was it the Andy? Andy, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a bad choice either. Very good. Bong rhymed. It was sublime. Mm-hmm. Kind. I would, I would take a selection off of this album if I were to recommend Frank. I would take a, a song off of this album before I would torture. Never stops. Sure. If I if I wanted to give somebody something more um, accessible from Frank, I'd I'd say the Hot Rats album. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you want to, if you're introducing someone to Zappa, you probably want to bring them in. There's only like one or two songs with any lyrics on that one. Oh, see, there's my problem. I think it's, it's got Willie the Pimp with uh, Captain Beefheart doing lyrics. Hot Rats is a great album, but... So is yeah. it Dr. Dr. And I don't care for jazz, I'm sorry. I just don't. Not everybody does. No. It's a unstructured, it's not a structure. I enjoy the blues. I like the blues. Yeah. Um, but like scatting and jazz and it's just so chaotic to me Random. and I don't, I have enough chaos in my head. Yet you watch movies that you know are bad. I do. <laughs> I enjoy a good, bad movie. Just, I know. Well, it's movies. I can, I can take I, chaos in I, some I, ways and not others. I was thinking, I, I don't know if I have time in my life to squeeze in movies anymore that I know are bad going in. <laughs> well, and Actually, like, hey, I guess I do, know. but I, I started reading War and Peace today. Yeah. Oh my god! Wow, six. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, you grew up with music. I grew up with uh, with TV. Why not crack so, open the Bible? You know, you know? Like, uh. I read that. <laughs> I haven't. I couldn't get through War and Peace. Couldn't do it. Uh, it the first but, attempt. It's only yeah. like thirteen hundred pages. I thought it was going to be more. 
It is considered a pretty long, pretty heavy book, though. Any closing yeah. thoughts on Frank? I kind of just offered mine, mm -hmm. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is definitely high in the running of my favorite Frank albums. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of a rotating thing. Mm -hmm. You're starting to ask a Dr. Demento question, Phil. Who? Well, I always get confused. I mean, who who was it that uh, Al started with? Was it Doctor Demento? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I next year, right? I, I probably first I remember hearing Frank on Doctor Demento would have been uh, like Dance and Fool, which is oh yeah. Uh, I kind of like Dance and Fool. Nineteen seventy-eight. I want to say. So, how old were you when you started becoming an aficionado of the Frank? I was 12 when I got the cassette that had the long sections of, uh, oh, it had Shake Your Booty. I don't know if I mentioned that one. Shake Your Booty, um, Zappa in New York, uh, Zoodalures. Is there a fourth album on there? Was I think there a disco in that album in general or just the Shake Your Booty line? Yeah. Well, it's, um, S H E I K, like a chic. Oh. And last, last name is Your Booty, Y E R B O U T I. Oh, I remember that oh, album cover. He's actually yeah. Zappa's face. He's got the yeah. He's wearing the yeah, like a chic headdress. And then on the back cover, he's he's wearing he's got a cigarette in a long cigarette holder. <laughs> that's that's my other that's my other favorite Frank album, probably. Okay, mm -hmm. shake your booty. Right Although, if you want something jazzier, which Lisa doesn't, no, I'd recommend <laughs> I'd recommend um, the Grand Wazoo. Nick, any, uh, here's your opportunity to uh, close uh, close out Frank here. What? Uh, well, this being the only Frank album I've listened to, this would have to be my favorite Frank album. Favorite, and um, his least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's good. I mean, I, I've never actually really listened to any of his music before. I mean, I, like I said, I've always knew who he was from the Tipper Gore thing, because him and Dee Snyder were the main ones, made the loudest voices on that. But uh, but no, it was good. I yeah. I remember good stuff I, definitely has a very talented band. You can tell that they're, uh, he, you can definitely tell he's more into the music than he is the, the lyrics, but you know, it, but there's so many albums out there that you go to listen to them. The lyrics don't make any sense at all, but, yeah. uh, but no, it was good. Uh, I usually prefer singers that are more melodic, but you know, it was good. That's why he has I other people it. sing so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Lisa, I noticed you didn't bang the table much or anything, so it must not have been terrible. <laughs> what was your take? It wasn't the dead Kennedys. Todd Rudgen, Rudgren was the one that I just was like, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. But uh, I honestly don't remember the dead Kennedys enough to say one one way or another right now. So, uh, But the, on this one, um, there were moments that I did not find, you know, annoying. I moments do have... Didn't find annoying. I do have a condition that uh, causes me to dislike instrumentals. There is a therapy for that. It's basically immersion therapy. I feel that there are enough things in the world that I do like that I do not feel I need immersion therapy for things that annoy me. There you go. So okay. <laughs> it, it really hasn't had a negative effect on my life other than I've actually kicked my brother out for uh, chewing too loudly. I've only... <laughs> I've only known like three females in my life that were into Frank Zappa. Mm. Well, I can I can definitely see that. I I did say I did mention the Y chromosome earlier. Mm. I spell that W H Y. Mm. This is not Def Leppard. 
going for the chicks. That's <laughs> no. Oh, he was doing that. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, the music is not, uh, it's not a yeah. conduit right. for females, for sure. Okay. All yeah. right. Not for all of them. Not for not for a high percentage of them. All right. Well, I look, mm-hmm. for, I look forward to the next one. These are some of my fun, yeah, most fun episodes I have. I, I really enjoy it. I think he especially enjoys yeah. me finding it uncomfortable. We have social. Twitter. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Instagram. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Facebook. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Hey.